everybody. I'm Debbie Montgomery Johnson, founder of the nonprofit, The Woman Behind the Smile, and your host of Stand Up and Speak Up, a show that is about each and every one of us. Many of us have something, something we're hiding, something we're ashamed of, something not through no fault of our own or through our own making we keep hidden, and that in turn keeps us hidden from each other and the world. Good people go through terrible situations. Wise people know when and how to let it go. Everything that happens to us helps us grow, and while it may be hard to see it right away, the most important thing to do is to change your perception about your circumstances. Regardless of what your personal experiences or traumas have been, this showcase series is designed to ignite the light in you, as well as providing safe harbor, education, personal growth, and resources so that no matter where you are on your journey, you'll have the courage to move on when you're ready. Stand Up and Speak Up features ordinary people who've been through extraordinary situations and struggles and found the courage to step out from behind their smiles and speak up about their experiences and the lessons gleaned from those experiences. Everybody heals at a different pace, and we recognize that. So come on in, have a listen, and enjoy the ride at your own speed. It's a beautiful day in paradise, and I always say that on my show. And although I'm in Dallas, Texas today, it's going to be a pretty day in Texas. But this is a special meeting. This is an end-of-the-year wrap-up with Dr. Tim McGinnis and myself, and we are really looking forward to kind of having a discussion about what has happened in 2021. This has been a crazy year with the pandemic and everybody's social distancing and everybody isolated and on the computers and thinking that they are the smartest and the wisest and the safest. And it's an incredible year for scammers. They are on their game and I'm so excited to be wrapping this up with Dr. Tim McGinnis who is the founder of the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams, the managing director. Uh, and I'm on the board with him with some terrific people and we are, we are vigilant in trying to figure out how to keep each other safe online and it's happening in some places and it's not happening in many others. So I'd like to welcome Dr. Tim McGinnis as my guest host, guest speaker, uh, sidekick and everything else. Thank you Tim for being here. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you Debbie. And is it a beautiful day in paradise in Florida? It is. It's it's nice and moderately warm. Of course, very humid. The we don't have we don't have iguanas falling from the skies yet this winter. <laughs> um, but you know we've got the alligators coming out and sunning themselves wherever they happen to be. Well, that's always that's always fun to see this time of year. But Tim, let's just jump right into this because there is a lot of information and we've got folks on the line that will probably want to ask some questions at the end. And uh, so scamming is a hot topic regardless of the year. But this right. particular year has been, it's, the numbers have gone up. So you, you, uh, sent yeah. to me, you sent to me the Interpol list, top list. And right. there are top lists everywhere. Can you first explain who Interpol is? Well, before I do that, let me just uh, create a little bit of background for those of us, or those of you who do not know really who SCARS is. SCARS is a nonprofit uh, incorporated organization that is a government registered, government partnered crime victims assistance and crime prevention organization. Um, 
I myself have about 30 years of experience in trying to educate victims to avoid, discover, and recover from scams. We're very proud to say this year that we're not only a partner of the Department of Homeland Security in the United States uh, through the uh, Cybercrime and Infrastructure Security Agency, but we also became a, uh, a partner of the Federal Trade Commission as a uh, sentinel uh, crime reporting uh, partner as well. Uh, so we're directly connected to the Federal Trade Commission in the reporting of all crimes. And we recommend that all cyber crimes be reported through the FTC because from there, they will be funneled to other U.S. government agencies and in many cases uh, to, to other agencies around the world. And as well as our own reporting mechanism on anyscam.com uh, to distribute cybercrime reports or cyber-enabled crime reports worldwide. Now, who is Interpol? Interpol is a, a non-governmental organization, uh, in some respects like SCARS, we're, a, we're an NGO. However, Interpol is an agency that facilitates crime reporting and police organization support on a worldwide basis. So the job that Interpol plays is really twofold, to facilitate support of law enforcement agencies around the world and also the sharing of, of information in terms of uh, suspected criminals, crime organization, operational information, intelligence, and actionable information on a worldwide basis. So they share with law enforcement agencies around the world. They have their own operatives embedded in law enforcement agencies um, in the United States, in Europe, in Africa, in Asia, etc. They're headquartered in Singapore. So... Interpol is not the FBI. No, Interpol is not a law enforcement agency itself. It's a uh, it's an in-between organization that helps bind law enforcement together on a global basis to go after and effectively execute against uh, criminals both inside individual countries as well as transnational. Uh, criminal organizations, organized crime around the globe. I ask that because after my scam ended, I got phone calls from men uh, saying, this is agent so-and-so with Interpol. And of course, I'd worked with the FBI. So I immediately said, I don't work with Interpol. I only work with the FBI. And the guy went on to you know, send me letters to, with, the, with Interpol uh, logos and a letter from the director of Interpol. I mean, it was, I knew it was a, still a scammer, but it was very creative. And if you didn't know better, you would have possibly gotten scared that Interpol was coming after you. They don't knock on your door. Is that correct? That's right. Interpol is not going to contact individual victims. They're going to interface and liaise through uh, local, real law enforcement agencies. Whether that's uh, whether that's you know a, a an FBI, um, local police, Europol, it may happen to be. Uh, but Inter 
Interpol itself is generally not going to contact victims. Okay. Well, thank goodness I had enough information through SCARS and, and had worked enough with you and the other folks there that I knew it was an additional scam. But if I had not had that, that actually is that actually is a fairly common scam type. After a scam ends, uh, there are a variety of end game scams that scammers will pull and. It could either be your same scammers or more likely that they will have simply sold your name and information to another group of scammers to try and pull the law enforcement investigation scam. Uh, scam victims are desperate to get their money back after they've been scammed, so uh, they'll pay additional money to have the case investigated by either private detectives or some law enforcement agency that claim that they charge a fee for investigation, etc. So that brings up the point, though, that once you've been scammed, it's very easily you, you get very easily scammed two, three times. What what is the average? Uh, the average is actually above um, above 3.4 times per victim. Uh, this has remained fairly steady, ironically, over the years. Um, the information is not readily available because of the fact that most victims do not report these crimes. Uh, both the FBI, the FTC, our own organization, Europol, all estimate and agree upon the fact that it is below 3%. Um, but coming out of 2020, we saw such an explosion of scams, but only a relatively minor increase in reporting. So for example, um, in 2019 to the present, there's been about an 85% increase in cybercrime reporting. So that's less than double. Yet, we've seen what clearly coming out of 2020 was over 30 million uh, scam victims in the United States alone. And best estimates are that there's a 35% increase year over year from 2020 to the present. But 30 million scam victims in 2020 is almost a, a six-fold increase over what it was in 2019. So the, the numbers of scams have skyrocketed. Um, but the level of reporting we estimate actually to be below 1%. And why are people, and, not, why are people not reporting, Tim? I think it's a combination of things. First and foremost, emotions are ruling, but there isn't quite the same sense that a crime has been committed as with other types of crime. When someone breaks into your house, there's no question, it's a crime. You call the police. There are reasons why some people don't. You know, maybe they're a drug dealer or they're involved in some criminal activity. So you're not going to call the police because you don't want them discovering what you're doing. But that's a rarity. In the case of scams, there is a different kind of a set of reactions. Now, consider, for example, sexual assault. When somebody's sexually assaulted, then... There's similar emotions, but it's very clear that this was a crime. So the, 
tendency is much higher reporting in those cases. Now, there are going to be cases where people, let's say in sexual assault, they're afraid to report. They're afraid for their physical safety, emotional safety. They want to get over with it, if it's a stranger especially. If it's someone they know, maybe there's even more reluctance to report. But in the case of scams, cyber crimes in general, etc., even in the case of corporate victims, they're not all reporting. So the motivation of why victims don't report are varied, but it really comes down to the essentials of shame, guilt, and self-blame. Well, that so scam victims, go ahead. I was just thinking, in levels too, we work with a lot of people who have lost a lot of money. And in that particular case, that's a financial loss that they may be more may I'm just, this is, they may be more willing to report. Where if someone you know in a in a call no. lost a hundred dollars, they're like, well, they're just going to write that off as as minor. No, I, 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 this is more nuanced than that. So okay. the average the average um, relationship scam victim loses above fourteen thousand dollars. That's the average. Now. When I said that there are 30,000 uh, scam, uh, excuse me, 30 million, 30 million scam victims in 2020, these are across a broad range, and they could be anything from COVID scams to Craigslist buying scams, uh, buy sell scams, eBay scams, Amazon scams, whatever. So across those 30 millions, the average is much much lower. But when we're talking about relationship scams, where the victim had some form of a relationship with the scammers. And I say scammers, plural, because generally they're not individual scammers. Far from it. They operate in teams as anyone can see in you know, document, documentary series like Trafficked, etc. Um, scammers work in teams. So the average relationship scam victim is going to be working with multiple scammers. They may think it's one person, but typically it's anywhere from two to five. But the problem is really that the trauma that they experience from this causes them to continue to make bad decisions, to let the manipulation continue to control them even after the scam. So as, as we say, victims tend to run in thirds. A third of victims are in denial. Either they can't accept that they were scammed at all, or they just don't want to talk about it, they don't want to deal with it, etc. A third of them uh, fall into the category of, of anger. In other words, it's, it's flight, fight. Uh, the angry victims break out into a multitude of different uh, orientations, but generally it's it's about avenge and, and future avoidance and saving everyone. And then a third are, are realists who are capable of recognizing that this was a crime. One of the problems that exists in scams that does not exist in other forms of crime, which is quite interesting in and of itself, is the strong prevalency for amateurs to represent themselves as experts and in doing so, communicate vast amounts of false information, including this narrative 
that nobody ever does anything, that reporting it is a waste of time, it's not going to do any good. What you need to do is go onto social media and rage about scammers and post their photos, and this is going to embarrass them, and this is going to stop them from scamming. This prevalent view is responsible in large part for the lack of proper education about avoidance, the tendency of victims not to report, and the literal explosion of cyber-enabled crimes. I personally lay the blame mostly on the amateur community, but at the same time, I also lay it squarely on uh, government shoulders for being incredibly slow to respond. And in the case of the United States, this year especially, having thrown the baby out with the bathwater because all the executive orders and focus that we acquired over the previous administration largely disappeared with this one. Well, and this is really difficult, but, Jim, because these scams, the top ten, which we're, we're going to go over, but they, they fall under the FTC. They fall under uh, the Postal Service. They fall under a lot of agencies that might have an arm of, uh, I don't know, investigation. Jurisdiction. Jurisdiction is the word. Yeah, but I think as a victim, first off, you don't know where to go. And then once you get there, you may not get the right person to talk to, and so you feel like no one's really going to listen to you. Um, and then you walk away saying, well, it's not worth the, you know, if, if you get taken for uh, masks, for instance, or you're trying to buy some masks and you never get them, it's like, well, it's only $20, so I'm not going to report it. Well, you get right. 100,000 people doing $20, that's a lot of money. Well, you know, 20 million people trying to buy masks and getting conned. Well, so, now, now it's the, uh, the rapid tests. Try, right. Try to get them ourselves, and it's very difficult to find them. So there is that, you know, people are looking online for those kinds of things. So that's one of the top scams right now, isn't it? Uh, it is. But so that's a different kind of a scam than, than a relationship scam. Absolutely. Uh, purchase, you know, e-commerce and purchasing scams are epidemic. And the, the major marketplaces, eBay and Amazon and others, have actually made it relatively difficult to report those kinds of scams. It ought to be really easy. But the problems are human nature. A lot of people buy a product and they don't like it and they report it as a scam, and it's not a scam. They just didn't do enough research when they bought a product to really understand what they were getting. So we, we have this sort of dual-edged sword. We want to make reporting really, really easy and get as much participation in, as possible. But at the same time, there's also vast amounts of false reporting that takes place in areas that are not relationship scams, where it's just and, – and we live in a world where virtually nobody is taking responsibility online. Facebook is a perfect example of that. YouTube is better. Twitter, just as bad as Facebook, um, where people get on there and become self-styled influencers and recommend crap. And the result is that there is massive fraud everywhere online. And yes, 
losing a certain amount of money is pretty much the norm. And people have begun to expect that. And when it's in small amounts, they're not going to report it. And that's fine. So when it comes to buying and selling products online, virtually everybody is being scammed. Um, but it's at a low enough threshold that they don't really report it. But looping that back around to, organi uh, to agencies like the Federal Trade Commission, who is the relevant reporting agency, the problem is that the government has no idea how widespread all of this really is because they're not allowed to speculate. They go by what is actually reported to them, and that's it. So the result is government is largely ignorant now. Uh, we were developing a great deal of awareness in government and getting executive orders and laws uh, coming through the pipeline to beginning to address this. We have this law called the Communications Decency Act, Section 230, which is the root of much of this evil that enables um, uh, scammers and cyber-enabled criminals to operate. And the initiative to get that changed, which was gaining traction and steam, just disappeared when the new administration uh, took power and eliminated all of the previous administration's executive orders on cybercrime. So all of those initiatives largely went out the window. Now, the good news is we were a strong proponent of and a participant in the Federal Trade Commission's recent rulemaking on this, which we can talk about later on. But that's one of the bright spots in the regulatory world. Also, Europol has been uh, been excellent in the work that they've done. The, the uh, UK government has also been very in tune with this as well. But ultimately what it comes back to is the failure of victims to report these crimes. And unfortunately, um, it, it sounds like blame, but there really is no other alternative. If victims do not report these crimes, then the government is unaware of them. And, and it's a chicken and egg scenario. Without reporting, the government can't take action. Without the government take action, the rest of us can't be safe. It's, so Tim, it's unfortunately that simple. Where do people report? That's, we got to get this information out because that's the first step. If you don't know, know where to report, you won't report. And, and like I said before, if you try to you know, call different places around and you're not getting any help, you, you quit reporting. You quit trying. So at, where is this point? Okay, so at this point in time, there's one agency worldwide that people should report to. And we have the link provided on SCAR's website. It is a link to the Federal Trade Commission. They distribute to the U.S. government. So the way this works is you should, if you've lost money, now if you haven't lost money, then then We'll talk about that in a minute. But if you have lost money, you report to your local police department first because they are your first responder. Um, in the United States, in Canada, Australia, New Zealand, India, uh, Europe, the United Kingdom, you report to your local police department. 
more and more police agencies are making it possible to do that reporting online where you fill in a form and it's done. And they take the information, they give you a police report number, etc. Having that police report number is actually very important in many countries because it is the door opener to government services such as free counseling, etc. In some countries, free counseling is already provided through their national health service, so the police report is not necessary, except that the government needs to be aware of the quantity of these crimes. Now, in the United States, you report to your local police, same for Canada, Australia, UK, etc. Once you've done that, then you also report it to your national police system, depending upon the particular country. But worldwide, you also report it to the Federal Trade Commission. And the reason is that so many of the enabling technological companies, social media platforms, etc., are based in the United States. And the FTC has unique authority over these entities to force them to respond. For example, Facebook did a settlement with the Federal Trade Commission many, many years ago, and in my personal opinion, has violated that agreement many, many times. So the FTC has unique authority over them. Now, in addition, uh, reporting to the FTC and reporting to uh, your local police, etc., pushes this information up to the national level. In most cases, it also then gets shared with Interpol, which means that it gets shared around the world. And it helps identify organized criminal organizations that operate across international borders. Most victims believe that they walk into their local police department and those cops are going to drop everything, get on a plane, and go to Ghana. That's just not realistic. But what does happen is the police will take the report. It'll get wrapped up into their community's reporting numbers up to their their county, their state, their national numbers, and also it'll get put into national and international databases where law enforcement agencies around the world are in a position to leverage that data and be vigilant against transnational crime wherever it may happen to be. So if it's an organized criminal organization operating in the Middle East, in Asia, in Africa, wherever it may happen to be, without those reports, the data points don't exist that allow them to connect the dots and identify those organizations and take action against them. Okay, so what is the link on, our, on the website? What's the website and what's the link? Uh, we'll go to anyscam.com or to romancescamsnow.com. And the, the FTC link is there as well as you can report it on anyscam.com uh, into, into SCARS. And we, in fact, funnel information to the Federal Trade Commission ourselves. Okay, so anyscam.com or romancescamsnow.com, the FTC link. Now, this has changed a little bit. We used to encourage people to go right to IC3 and the FBI, but you found that now that the FTC is the, the most effective place to report. 
That is correct. So when you go to romanceScamsnow.com, at the very top of, of every page are links to reporting uh, websites for law enforcement agency. You'll see the FTC. You'll see by country, Australia, UK, etc. Uh, so you report always to the FTC, and then you then to your national law enforcement agency, whether that's um, whether that's Scam Watch or the ACCC in Australia, or or uh, Action Fraud in the UK, or uh, Scamwise NE in Northern Ireland, or Europol. Uh, and then the national agencies under uh, under Europol, etc. That's right at the top of uh, romanceScamsnow.com, and we're going to do that on any scam as we uh, redesign any scam over the next uh, uh, two months uh, to update it, it as well. Okay, good. Um, just really briefly, Tim, the when we. The name of this show was the top 10 scams or the top scams of 2021. I have a list that came off of the Interpol uh, right. article. And it was medical supplies, non-delivery fraud, telecon fraud, romance scams is in the middle, investment fraud, sextortion, payment cards, and money laundering. So yep. obviously it's all, it all has to do with money. It all has to do with easy money. What is the way that, that scammers are getting the money the fastest? How, how are they duping us quickly? Okay, so starting with the COVID scams, and these are, these are not just medical supplies, but they're anything associated with COVID, from fake cures to fake medicines to fake vaccines to fake vaccination cards to fake test kits. These are predominantly buying e-commerce scams where people are not paying attention to the websites that they visit, and they're buying something fraudulent. This is directly equivalent to the, the, the counterfeit goods scams that have gone on since the beginning of time. Um, so essentially, that's, you're giving your credit card to a website that is fraudulent or to a product that is fraudulent. It could actually be purchased through a real website like Amazon or Rakuten or eBay or whatever it may happen to be. Uh, and you're getting a bogus product. So you have to be vigilant constantly about who the seller is, who the website is. Scammers are extraordinarily confident when they want to be about impersonating businesses, creating fake websites that look exactly the same as a real website in many cases, particularly in the investment space, where they'll clone an entire investment company's website to make it look like they're the real deal. Now, when it comes to relationship scams where there's a connection with someone for whatever reason, um, Payments are being processed predominantly in three ways. One is larger amounts are being sent by wire transfer, typically bank transfers, and there's variations on that that involve money mules, etc. It also is more and more being handled through cryptocurrency transactions such as Bitcoin, etc. Particularly in the case of romance scams, instead of sending uh, payment cards, gift cards, or wire transfers, 
more and more scammers are walking victims through the process of setting up a, a Bitcoin wallet and then sending money via Bitcoin. Or lastly, things like payment cards where you can go down to your local Walmart or other, can, other store and buy a gift card. This is especially prevalent in North America where virtually everybody sells gift cards. And then you just give them the gift card numbers over the phone, and bam, the scammer has, in effect, that money. What they really do is, is they sell those cards through dark web exchanges to get a percentage of its value. Um, and it's quite a nefarious process of how gift cards are, are exchanged and made fungible across the dark web as well. But those are the three main ways. Either it's through you giving your own payment information through an e-commerce website or through a fake website, or even through a phishing scam for that matter, or it's, it's the three direct money transfers, which is uh, Money transfers, Western Union, MoneyGram, bank transfers, etc. Crypto coins or gift cards. Can we go back real quick to say someone has cloned a financial services uh, website? How can you tell quickly that it is not the real deal? Well, first off, <clears throat> first off, you have typically you didn't arrive on that website by accident. Typically you're talking with someone who recommended an investment and gave you the link to go there. So you need to be vigilant. When someone gives you a link, first off, your immediate reaction should be, is this a phishing scam? Is this a malware scam? In other words, where you click on that link and it's going to install ransomware on your, on your computer or device. So the first thing is when you get a link from someone for an investment company, go to Google and look up the real company. That's going to take you to their real official website rather than where the link is going to go. Uh, the link may typically have additional uh, parameters on it, which will take you to a specific page or may take you to a specific offer, etc. The reality is if you get a link from somebody that you do not physically know, it's probably going to be a scam 90 plus percent of the time. So the other way that you can do this is you can go to whois.com and you can put the domain name in from the link that you've gotten to see who registered that website, how old it is, how long it's been in existence. That's a good way because scammers typically have websites that are very recent less than six months old. Whois.com is going to tell you how old the website is. Now, there are reasons why legitimate businesses may register their websites in privacy. This is, pre this is predominantly to shield them from scams and spam, etc. So whether a company has their real name or not listed on their domain rate, Domain name registration is not relevant. But what is relevant is the age of the website. Less than a year, probably a scam. Uh, or it's a brand new company, in which case, either way, you want to think twice. Well, that's really important because in this, especially us being home all day long and being online, I mean, I own a company. I, I, my stuff is private. But I get emails all the time. Uh, even yeah. to my womanbehindthesmile.com 
email uh, about business and I don't do business on the woman behind the smile so I know those are scams but they look real it looks like Bank of America is telling me I have a problem with my account it looks like the uh, my my Amazon package is not going to be delivered so we right. need to, I think the, the caution here the be beware and be aware is take a pause and you know we're so so fast we, we want to move quickly but that's gonna that's gonna sink us on this one because we're clicking on things we shouldn't be clicking on because we think well, it's real, right right so scars is especially over the last couple of years become more and more of a trauma-informed organization you yourself uh, hold a, a trauma certification I hold several the the reality is is that as we have explored deeper the nuances of trauma we better begun to understand the mechanisms and functions of the human brain and one of those mechanisms that everyone should be aware of it should be in in the user's manual when you're born is this nuanced capability that's wired into us from a survival perspective that our senses receive information from the outside world and it's sent to something called the thalamus which is which is like um, a, a switching system that then routes that information to other parts of the brain and it sends it to the cortex which is the thinking part of our brain and it also sends it to the amygdala which is the reacting part of our brain that lizard brain and vast numbers of, been, of studies have been done on the mechanics of, of these stimulus that come into the brain and the reality is that the amygdala just reacts faster that's the way it's been designed you you see a lion you want to react instantaneously you don't want to stand there thinking about oh how beautiful its mane and how pretty its smile no you want to react and get the hell out of there before it eats you so the problem is is that human beings react first and thinks think later this is our nature but we can train ourselves to not react in situations where we have to give ourselves a moment to think about it whether that's you know what action fall uh, action fraud calls a take five or what you know the Department of Homeland Security says is is stop think and connect reality is you want when you see a link particularly in a message a text message email whatever don't click it just train yourself do not click it even to the point of come back to it in a few minutes but at a minimum put your put your mouse over the link in the case of an email so that you can see what really that link is going to or in the case of a message um, if it says you know Federal Express can't deliver your message it probably doesn't contain actual tracking numbers which it would if it was real you can retype that tracking information into the official Federal Express website and see exactly what it is that's being shipped to you don't react think about it go using Google to find the official website of that institution and organization scammers have vast amounts of money and when they choose to they can look every bit as real as any business that's out there 
this is one of the things that the FTC tackled uh, this month of December was new rulemaking specifically on the topic of impersonation scams, whether it's impersonating, impersonating the government, impersonating a business, etc. And they know they're not going to be able to go after all the scammers themselves directly, but this rulemaking will allow them to go after those organizations that enable the scammers to do their scams. And that means hosting companies, people like Google that give out free U.S. telephone numbers to anybody without any address or identity verification. The problem isn't just the scammers. It's the businesses who make it possible for the scammers to scam. And those are the ones that the FTC is going to be working on shutting down. That's going to be really interesting. That they're going to be very busy. <laughs> right. Um, so let's go back to our list of scams for a minute. So we've, we've covered the COVID-related scams. I want to jump into romance scams since there's been a significant change in the last couple of years in the way romance scams are operated. Um, one of the big changes that has taken place in romance scams, it's still basically an online relationship that's developed between the scammers, plural, and a victim. They're identified, they're targeted, they're groomed, they're manipulated into being ready to take the bait, in other words, to get to the close. And unfortunately, the the way it used to operate was that the victim would just send money because the scammer was having some emergency. They were an oil worker in the Caspian Sea that was arrested by the government of Zimbabwe, and they were being transported to Iceland, and they had a child in Antarctica, whatever the, the, the story. Unfortunately, they all sound nonsensical after the fact, but the manipulation is so thorough that the victim will do anything while they're in the throes of that. However, the scammers have made it infinitely easier for themselves because they develop a relationship. They don't ask for your money. Now instead, they introduce an investment opportunity that they've made money and they simply want to share their good fortune with the victim. This becomes a much easier scam to execute. So the result is that the scammer then encourages the victim to go to a fake investment website. The victim invests a very small amount of money usually to start, $100, couple hundred dollars. And many cases, the scammers actually reward the victim with growing that money, sometimes even sending it back to the victim. This is a trick that's used in gambling to hook the gambler, right? You let them win the first couple of rounds in the, in the game. Then the victim will do something called chasing their money. They'll want more. Greed sets in, even if they're not aware of this. And the result is that they'll go from a couple hundred dollars, which they could have afforded to lose, but they actually got it back, into now investing thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars or more in these investment scams. They put their big amount of money in, and then within a matter of days, weeks, the website, the business, it'll all just go up in smoke and disappear and, be, and, and ghost the victim. 
And unfortunately, we see this more and more and more in the case of romance scams. So this change is a technique that was introduced by the Chinese, and it has a horrific name called pig butchering scams. But it essentially means leading the victim to slaughter. And still, only about 1% of these scams are being reported worldwide. And in the United States, it's still a tiny amount, a fraction of the real number of these scams that are being, being uh, reported, or I mean, excuse me, that, are, that exist are being reported. Victims need to report these scams. And in fact, they need to report them fast because law enforcement in some cases has options, but those options disappear quickly with time. It, it's very difficult, and I'm, I'm thinking I, I've actually talked to women that got wrapped up in these things. And, you know, like we've been doing this for years, and we can see the call. We can see the, the telltale signs. We can see that this guy is a scammer. And, and I know, though, when I was in the throes of mine, it was very, nobody could have told me that I was being scammed. Nobody. My kids, my friends, my family, nobody. I, I knew better. Now that I've been out of it for nine and a half years, I'm looking back on, oh my gosh, you know, A, B, C, and D, those were not pink flags as I used to call them. Those were hard red flags, but I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't see them. I couldn't feel them. It was just not part of me. I, I get how people are, get taken so easily, but I also, you know, I, I'm thinking that if someone had come to me <laughs> and said, Deb, X, Y, Z, you know, would I have, would I have, could I have? Uh, and that, I think that's what irritates me about a lot of the Dr. Phil shows is that you're you're outing the victim and making yes. the family feel better, but the victim doesn't get it. They don't feel it. They don't understand it. And so no matter what someone's going to say once you're in the throes of it, it's not going to change your mind. You, you know, and that's, I think that's what we do at SCARS. We, we like the prevention, like get the information out in advance because once the person's in it, you got to wait until they're broken, broken, and want to come out of it to be able to help. And, 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 most, and most people will not successfully recover from these scams because they let their own psychology work against them. Well, and they think that if we, if we forget about it, it will go away. And but it doesn't. It doesn't. In my experience, that it, it, it eats you up from the inside out. This so, is trauma. And... You know, it's, it's, it's psychological in our global cultures, more so in the Asian cultures than, than even in the American. But to admit that you are traumatized is, is very challenging for people around the world, yet this is in fact what happened. And trauma doesn't go away. Trauma is a cancer. It will eat you up from the inside unless you address it and deal with it. Um, and, and you can recover from trauma. Uh, for some people, it's easier than for others. Each person is unique, but it requires help. And sometimes that help is not a support group or peer-to-peer -peer group. Sometimes it requires uh, professional trauma counseling. But there's no shame involved in recognizing that you need help to overcome something. The only shame is not taking advantage of it. Well, there's a lot of shame in this as a victim because people blame you. You start, you blame yourself. You start blaming yourself. And that, well, that blame name is difficult. 
Yes, and particularly when we go on to the next scam on the list, which is sextortion. And this can originate in a multitude of different ways. It, can re uh, it usually originates from a relationship scam where the victim has sent compromising photos of themselves to a scammer. Many, in some cases, the scammer could actually be a real person. Um, sextortion afflicts teens. Uh, they do sexting without thinking about the full implication of what they're doing. But even adults in a relationship may unwisely share intimate photos and if it's a scammer, that can be turned right around into a form of blackmail where the victim has to pay money. But the truth is, like most blackmail, it's not going to be effective to pay the victim, or excuse me, to pay the scammer. Uh, unfortunately, the only effective solution for sextortion is report the crime and write it out. The good news is that for you know, for adults who get sucked into it as a part of a scam, well, the easy answer is you can just tell everybody that the photos were photoshopped and it's not really you and you're being blackmailed by a scammer. Everyone will believe that. So the stigma is easily diffused. Uh, might be embarrassing for a little while, but it'll go away. Scammers don't do anything that doesn't get them money. It's interesting, though. Uh, the first time that I'd really been... Uh, aware of this extortion was when I was on the Mel Robbins show and the other vic the victim there um, a young girl she was in her 20s and she had been taken 300 girls had been taken by one scammer uh, here in America and it was an American guy they found him um, and he was it's that typical sitting in your grandmother's basement and it's just uh, it was an awful person and he just wanted to see how many women would send him naked pictures well Unfortunately, that, that's a sexual predator, and there are those people too. But unfortunately, these women were all over 21, and there was absolutely nothing they could do. And this one particular girl had very creative body art that she couldn't have said, "That's not me," you know. And so she she got mad, and she took things into her own hands, and they found him. But again, they couldn't do anything because they were of age. So the thing to remember, and at that point, I'm sitting there going, I was grateful. I However, yeah, go ahead. However over, the, over the last five years, that situation has changed, where countries and states have enacted laws that make it a crime to share intimate photos without the permission of the original person. So uh, th that's a form of doxing also, for example, which is the willful disclosure of confidential information. So we... Okay. The world has gotten better in the creation of, of laws to address these. Unfortunately, because people report this so in such small numbers, government is slow to respond, but they will. If we look at you know comparable situations like drunk driving, it's taken almost 40 years to develop the necessary understanding, awareness, and law enforcement focus to, to effectively address that. We're not done by any manner of means, but at least we all understand the social, physical, and legal implications from driving while intoxicated. There's still stupid people. I hate to say this. I'm, I'm blaming the victims a little bit, or I mean the, the perpetrators a little bit here, but there's still people who do it. 
and unfortunately, there are consequences to this. Now, um, another one of the, the top ten list scams that we have to talk about is money laundering. And this involves mules. Victims, some willing, some unwitting, who become involved with a scammer as a money or, or uh, stolen property conduit which ultimately gets money back to the scammers. More and more mules are becoming arrested each year, uh, literally in, in the thousands. Um, and unfortunately, the way this works is anyone who's, a, who's effectively manipulated in a scam can be flipped into becoming a money mule to facilitate the scammers' transference of money in one of several ways out of the country. Some victims will even give them access to financial accounts. Some victims will create financial accounts for the scammer. These are national crimes, and they're punishable by significant penalties in jail terms, whether it's in Europe, the United States, Canada, or elsewhere. Unfortunately, law enforcement has been slow to recognize that the money launderers, the mules themselves, are the linchpin of the majority of scams. This is slowly transforming into these investment scams, which make it easier, but m money mules still today are the backbone of the, of the scammer's business model. And unfortunately, we saw a woman from Virginia who's 81 years old who's just been convicted of money laundering because... She, it came to light, the police told her to stop, and she didn't because she didn't believe the police. She believed her relationship partner, who she'd never met in her life. Uh, we recently heard of a woman who's, who's, had, uh, who's been a money mule and a scam victim for five consecutive years, who still to this day refuses to stop. Unfortunately, for victims who refuse to stop, they're going to be arrested eventually because there's no secrets in this process of transferring money. And law enforcement will eventually catch up with them. The only answer for anybody who's been involved in, in activities of this nature is go to the police, report this, put an end to it, cooperate with the police, and they're very unlikely to face any consequences in terms of prosecution. Unfortunately, what they did is still harm others, which is another thing that those victims have to wrap their heads around, and that there may be financial civil consequences that result in that. But the, the way we control scamming is by following the money and drying up their money pipelines. Unfortunately, in the case of cryptocurrency, it just doesn't work. It was designed from day one to be a transnational criminal's best friend. Well, it's unfortunate, and it's happening at such a speedy rate. Um, Tim, our, our hour has flown by. There's so much information that is out there. I want to send people to romancescamsnow.com. It is an encyclopedia of information about all sorts of things, uh, scams, scam information, reporting information, unbelievable amount of information. If you've been a victim and you have not reported yet, go to anyscam.com and 
click on the link to the FTC, get that in the process. If you need any help, you can contact uh, scars at romancescamsnow.com. We can work you through some of that. And it's really important to beware and be aware. Take a pause. I love the stop, think, and connect. Uh, and just, you know, it's, it's us. We are the link. We are the weak link. We, we are too speedy in clicking and, and opening up things and, and sending our information out. It's us, and we need to take, need to take responsibility for that. Uh, but each of us is open to being taken by very manipulative people, and it's unfortunate. It hurts hearts. It hurts wallets. It hurts families. It hurts a lot of things. Um, so, Dr. And, and Debbie... Yes, sir. It is important that everyone understands that we are not only an organization that does education, but we are also a direct support provider. So if you are a victim, we can help you, but you have to be willing to accept that help and listen to the guidance of professionals to help you along your path to recovery. Absolutely. So thank you so much, Dr. Tim. And uh, romancescamsnow.com, any scams, any scam, is that it? any scams.com. Uh, go to either of those and uh, and get the information out. And thank you, Dr. Tim. 2022 is the scamming world is not going to stop. If anything, by people staying in home at home and looking for friendships, looking for love, looking to play games, looking uh, for companionship for another another person, you know, just to talk to. Be careful. Just be careful. We don't know who these people are on the other side of the computer screen. Even though we think they're our friends, they may not be. So please be careful. Be wise. Dr. Tim McGinnis, founder of the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams, and so much information in your head uh, and on paper. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you for offering all of this good information. And uh, I look forward to 2022 and the things we're all going to do together. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Stand Up and Speak Up. We are dedicated to encouraging you to remove the mask of embarrassment and being your best self. If you've been a victim of a scam or cybercrime, please visit againstscams.org for assistance and guidance about options and recovery. SCARS, the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams, is an incorporated nonprofit crime victims assistance organization based in Miami, supporting scam victims worldwide. If you can, please make a small donation to help the victims around the world receive the help that they need. This episode has been sponsored by BenfoComplete.com, a vitamin supplement company that supports happy and healthy hands and feet for those with neuropathy. If you or anyone you know struggles with the pins and needles or numbness in their hands and feet, check out our Benfo teaming products at BenfoComplete.com and use the special code STANDUP for 5% discount on your purchase. Again, thanks everybody for being here with us today. Go to my website, thewomanbehindthesmile.com, for additional information and resources. Check out my YouTube channel and subscribe, and follow the replays of all of our great guests. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks very much for being here.